there is such a difference, I can't emphasize this enough, between going out and meeting friends at a restaurant than having them walk over the threshold of your front door. Once they come in the door, there's a certain amount of intimacy that has happened. That was Sue Donaldson. She's a speaker, she's a blogger, and she is the queen of all things hospitality. Sue believes that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus with a plate of cookies and a coffee cake. But the key is to invite people in. She has a lot more to tell us. Stay tuned. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15, verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. Sue Donaldson is the queen of hospitality. Her website, Welcome Heart, which I think is a wonderful name and a take on Welcome Home, because it's really our heart that is doing the welcoming, is a great example of what she does and how she encourages others and inspires others to be welcoming and hospitable. Sue doesn't welcome people in her home just because it's fun, but because Jesus commands it. And she makes a great argument. Here's Sue. Welcome, Sue. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's my delight. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listeners, you may not know this uh, unless you're on Facebook. We actually, this is take two. We actually tried <laughs> this once before. We had a wonderful conversation. We did. Yeah, no, we really did. And I'm sure we will again today. Uh, <laughs> but I realized that I had not hit the, re- the record button. That was the first time ever that it happened. But you know what? I think God just wanted me to be with this lady one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but you know, I- Yvette, I have done the same thing, and I know exactly how you felt, so it was no big deal. Well, thank you for your graciousness and for and for coming back. Sure. And really, being gracious, this lady is all about being gracious. I love your ministry and the idea that hospitality is a ministry and is a part of welcoming people into our home and giving God glory. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, there's just, I love that. I, I called it holy hospitality. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? And I think today, this day and age, you know, I think a lot of people just don't invite people into their homes as much as maybe we did a long time ago. And I'm not even talking about the pandemic. It's just something that we're, you know, we have our home, we're kind of closed up. Um, you know, we're binging Netflix or whatever it is. Sometimes summertime, we invite people over for parties. But I think we like our own little haven and, and we don't welcome, we don't open that door. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, for years, I've called it the automatic garage door society because everybody, I remember when my parents got their first garage door opener, you know, and it was just so exciting to see that go up and down. But to me, it's a symbol of, like you said, you come home, you're tired after a long day and you open that garage door and in you go and then you go right into the house. 
you don't really have to say hello to anyone in your whole life in your neighborhood. And, um, you know, that great commission that I always like to listen to people's famous last words and Jesus' famous last words were, you know, go into all the world, starting with Jerusalem. And so I call my neighborhood, my Jerusalem, you know, um, I have been a, what they call a foreign missionary. I've been abroad and been with Wycliffe Bible translators, but it's really no different. It's wherever God has placed you that you need to follow up that great commission. And what better way than to invite someone into your home is the way I look at it, though I know a lot of people feel stumped or feel inadequate or just are too tired or broke. You're right. And you are so right about the garage door, because when I think of someone welcoming somebody else into their home, um, you know, the, the front door is open. The person is coming up their door, their door, uh, their, their walkway. You know, maybe they might have a plate of cookies with it. When's the last time we came through our front door? I know. I mean, I know I don't very often. Yeah. So you're so right about that. I'll tell you a funny story. Because I had the privilege of staying home most of the time when my kids were being raised. So I would notice when people were new in our neighborhood, like when the moving truck um, came. And so I would kind of like attack them with a plate of cookies, just like you said. <laughs> and so I, because if you have food, even if they never, ever become your friend, because that's happened, where at least you have something in your hand, especially if you're not good with words, which I, I don't know if I'm good with words, but I'm wordy. Um, but <clears throat> if you're not, if you have something in your hand, which actually goes to another point about hospitality, which is allowing people to bring things to your party. I've heard introverts tell me, please let me bring something because that makes me feel good coming into a stranger's home with something in my hand. Isn't that an interesting phenomenon? Anyway, I went over to the lady's house knocked on the door. I said, hi, I just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. And when she spoke, I could tell she was from, not from our country. Mm -hmm. So I said, where are you from? And she said, Israel, which is very unusual. We don't get a lot of Israelis in our a town. We have a kind of a small town. And I said, really? I said, my daughter's name is Bethany. And I read that in a baby I mean, this just sort of flowed out. A baby book name that that is a dusty town uh, a little close to Jerusalem. She goes, it is. <laughs> and we ended up being friends and they came to their first American Thanksgiving at our house. Wow, that's so awesome. And let me know that they do not like cranberry sauce. <laughs> which, well, hold on now, which kind? The real stuff or the stuff from the can? Oh, the real stuff's the only way to do it. It's so easy. But I can't really remember, actually, which one that Thanksgiving. But um, And now we're friends, and they've moved away. But uh, she's heard me speak down in Southern California because we're just friends. You know, she's Jewish, but she would still come and hear me speak because she likes me. So uh, just a little story like that. And then her daughter ended up coming back up here for college, and then we had her for dinner. You know, because when you send your kids away for college, the best thing you could do for for a mother is to invite their child over for dinner at least once in their four years of university. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that story. It, it's a perfect story um, because you don't know the outcome. So you don't know, you know, that you're, you're bringing a token over, you don't know where it's going to go. And, the, and that person has no, you know, responsibility or that person, you know, there's no expectation that that person needs to give back to you. You know, you're just welcoming that person and, and, and giving, you know, giving that person. And, uh, and sometimes, as you say, it will result in something else. 
You know, you know, I I have a neighborhood where the houses are kind of far away from each other, and we, you know, we we're the waving neighborhood. We don't actually have a conversation; we just kind of wave at each other. But for Christmas, you know, leading up to Christmas, I like to create little baskets of cookies and things, and just leave it. Uh, I, I try to hit almost everybody on the street. Uh, and and one time it was a story about my mom. My mom always had um, pears for Christmas. She mm. loved having pears for Christmas. And so I did a three P's and it was weird. And I don't know why I did this way, but I did pears, pound cake and popcorn. So oh, I had like little, just a little piece of everything. And, and it kind of reminded me of my mother and, and they loved that. They said, are you going to do that again this year? And I said, no, I, I do. I do something else every year, but they love the story behind it. You know, I love that. I love that. My, um, Actually, would you remind me of that? Because I would love to feature that at Christmas time. Because people are always looking for ideas that are simple, that are not very expensive. You can even mm-hmm. buy the pound cake. You don't have to make it. That sounds like a lot of butter for, to me. But uh, <laughs> when my brother became a youth pastor he in a new town, he wanted he and his wife wanted to get to know everybody. So he invited groups of people over by the week. And it was the three Ps. But now, of course, I can't remember all three. But one was, oh, yeah, it was pizza. They ordered pizza, they had Pepsi, and they played ping pong. Ah, okay. That's a way to get kids to, you know, to, to play a game. And uh, my dad was an expert ping pong player. At one point, Yvette, we had three ping pong tables in our backyard. I think he picked up, my dad picked up an extra one at a garage sale. So even though I'm a girl, I was raised playing a really sharp game of ping pong. In fact, my mom said the reason I wasn't married, because I didn't get married till 35, was because I keep... I kept beating the boys in ping pong. And I said, well, mom, if they cared, then I don't want to marry them. And sure enough, I I beat Mark in ping pong and he could care less. So then I knew he was the one, see. But um, so when my folks, you mentioned your mom. And Mm -hmm. we talked about last week that she raised you with hospitality. And I have found that one, and my mom as well. But I have found that one of the main hindrances to men and women wanting to open their homes is because they weren't raised with a mom who did it. So they don't really know how, or they don't see the value, or uh, they don't have time to learn. You know, there's all these ors. And um, and so they just leave it to the extroverts and the good cooks. I've heard people say, oh, well, Sue, that's just because it's you. I go, no, it's actually a commandment from God. It has nothing to do with me. And um, and you can't learn it. It's something that can be learned. It's just whether you're going to decide to do it or not. Absolutely. If you're listening to the show, you're already a member of the Positively Joy family. But now you can actually join our new membership levels and support the show while getting bonus content and free merch. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to learn more. So, yeah, so we did talk about the fact that both our mothers love to host people. Yeah. But so let's let's hear that again from you, because our listeners obviously didn't hear that. Yeah. How did how did that get started with you? Why is this a passion for you? Well, I think it's because I didn't get married till I was 35. So I was lonely when I would move. You know, you move into a job and then you're with your colleagues all day. But then at night, if you're not dating, which I went through years not dating, And I um, was part of my church. And I remember standing in my church parking lot one Sunday and watching all these young families pile their kids into their vans and off they would go. And I thought, well, how come no one invited me home for lunch? Because my mother would go to church and, um, you know, 
on Sunday mornings, my dad would wake us up and he would say, who's going on the first bus? So my dad would take the ones who wanted to be on time, but my mother would be um, putting two chickens in the oven on time bake because she knew she would be inviting new people home for Sunday dinner. So anyway, going back to my church parking lot, I thought, well, my mom would have invited me over, but somehow I knew these people love me, but uh, they they just didn't think that I maybe even wanted to come over. You know, they probably thought I had this exciting single life. And so what I ended up having to do, Yvette, was just invite myself. And I know that can be daunting and I'm sure I was nervous and I was in my early 20s it was my first job out of college and I invited like five or six women that I just liked and they were all married and they came for a Sunday Saturday brunch because breakfast is less expensive I had a school teacher's salary and anybody can do an egg bake or they can even buy muffins and I think they were surprised I could cook but I said well I can read and um <laughs> After that, it was just a matter of them. They liked me so much that anytime I would call them with a boyfriend problem or a school problem or something, they, I said, I really need to go to lunch. They would treat me. I mean, so by the time I left for Brazil four years later, I had about six godly women who were basically my mentors. But it wow. started with me asking them. And then when I went to Brazil, my roommate was from England and she said, Sue, you're only going to be here two years, so you need to have people over. So she's the one who, who set the guest list. And for five Friday nights in a row, I made apple crisp. Now I'm really good at apple crisp. I can send your listeners the recipe I use because they didn't have chocolate chips in Brazil at that time. Otherwise, Ooh. I would have done cookies or something. But I made apple crisp five Friday nights in a row. Why? Because I needed friends. So sometimes you do hospitality because you're desperate for for friends. And I don't think that's wrong. No, no, not at all. I mean, we see opportunities for people to come together all throughout the Bible. Absolutely. And they are they are entering into fellowship with each other. They are learning in some cases from each other. They're supporting each other. And so why would we not want to do that? Exactly. But, you know, I do think that sometimes we have a culture that might be different, say, than maybe maybe Brazil and maybe some other cultures. And I could be wrong, but I think this this American culture that we that we have, um, I think that we 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 are even if if we're working outside the home, we are working. We come home and we just want to to be inside with our family. Right. Um, and if we are not working outside the home, there's a great deal of responsibility, and then the family unit comes home from their day. And then again, we're just inside with the family, right? Instead of, you know, wonderful community parties or community dinners. And um, I remember when I was a little girl, and this is a long time ago, uh, we had block parties. Oh, fun. I even suggested that we have a block party here. And at first it kind of looked to be weird, but like, oh, it's kind of an interesting idea. So I, I do think that we've gotten away from some of that. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, uh, it, you know, God commands us to do this and it is important for us. I mean, look at church. We have small groups, you know, we are always encouraged to get into smaller groups so that we can encourage each other, support each other. And we, and we do that, but it seems like that's, that's a, uh, a mechanized thing, you know, which is great. I love small groups, but now in our own neighborhoods, why don't we, why doesn't it happen naturally? Why don't we just naturally do that? I think there's a lot of reasons why, but I, I'm so happy that you have 
come to give us some ideas and tips about how to make it easier. Yeah. So uh, with, yeah, with your podcast and with welcomeheart.com, your website, um, you, you know, it, for people who are struggling with this, you make it a little easier. Well, I hope so. I think it's because I'm so imperfect. I'm not a polished entertainer. There's a huge difference between entertaining and hospitality. And in the old days, it used to be, you know, we can't do it like Martha Stewart, so we're not going to do it. Nowadays, we can't do it like Pinterest, so we're not going to do it. Or we even can't Mm -hmm. do it like our mothers did. Or we can't do it like, I had a friend who's, who we were friends for years and they finally had us over for dinner and she and her husband did the cooking. And I thought that was interesting. And she said, well, I feel I could never have people over because my mother did it in such a fancy way. It was her stepmother and they were very wealthy. And so there was just a certain expectation, but did I put that expectation on her? No, we put those expectations on ourselves. And Yvette, I, I want to, um, to say here, because I think it's so important that we don't do hospitality only to make friends, but to share the gospel. And if I, if you would go to everybody on your big old block and say, hey, would you like to come to a Bible study or come to church with me? Now, maybe in Oklahoma, it's different. But here in California, they might look at me very strangely mm-hmm. or like, who? that's kind of awkward. You know, it's awkward for me. And it's very awkward for them because they have no interest, maybe. Some people have that gift of like cold evangelism, cold call evangelism. But if you would say, would you like to come? Uh, to what I do at Christmas time, would you like to come to a neighborhood um, brunch? And I'm going to call it a um, less stress power breakfast so we can go shopping later, like from nine to 10, because people mm-hmm. are busy. And if they work, Saturday is their day to shop. Come nine o'clock to 10, bring your own mug. We're going to have coffee and coffee cake. And that's it. And everybody share um, their favorite less tr- stress tip for the holidays. And that brings the conversation, right? So some of these women, you only see once a year, I have 90 homes in my neighborhood and I don't get a big turnout, but I do it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, actually when we we're first married, we did a uh, chocolate open house and we, I invited a hundred people to sort of return some, uh, my husband's a physician. So we had to kind of, I felt like I could return a lot of invitations and we were newlyweds. Uh, well, not newlyweds, because I was expecting my second baby. But, you know, we, we were young, yeah. and younger. And um, and so I had just had Bethany, and she was in a cradle that someone had lent me, a really beautiful one, and we, we could keep in the living room, asleep during this party. We had 50 people come, and it was a chocolate open house. So everybody brought chocolate. So I didn't really have to worry. And most of them were not believers that, that I knew of. These were some church friends, some neighborhood, some work friends. And they just thought it was so funny because it was a chocolate open house. And then uh, my girlfriend, who is a doctor's uh, wife, who is a believer, brought a layer cake, chocolate, and it said, happy birthday, Jesus. And that was the only really testimony, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, testimony about, you know, it is Christmas. Yeah. You know, even if you're Jewish, it's still his birthday. <laughs> and um, And so to me, that was a great way of. Uh, getting the community into your home. Because you know, Yvette, there is such a difference. I can't emphasize this enough. Between going out and meeting friends at a restaurant than having them walk over the threshold of your front door. Once they come in the door, there's a certain amount of intimacy that has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I had a girlfriend over for dinner the other night. And she goes, Sue, no one invites us over. And she's a hospitality queen. So maybe, I go, well, maybe they think they can't do it like you. People don't think we need it, but we still need, Christians still need the community. So first we do it to show God's welcome. And then we also do it because we need to be in community with other believers. Oh yeah. Motivation. Yeah. Motivation. Gosh. I mean, there's just so, yeah, there's so much there. 
I think um, we do need it. We do need it. And I just mentioned before that it's not necessarily just because of the pandemic that we weren't doing it, but especially now, especially now. So yeah. now as things are opening back up, depending on obviously where you're listening, as things are opening back up, people are saying, okay, Ooh, I'm going to go out for like summer concerts again. I'm going to go have a nice dinner at a restaurant. I'm going to do this. But what about opening your home? I enjoy people coming over and being comfortable in my home. And my home does have a lot of inspirational messages on furnishings. (laughs) So I probably wouldn't have to say much because it's all over the house. Right, right, right. And the fact that they, and you can say, oh, well, I have a podcast and it's on joy. And the reason, you know, they ask more questions and you can get into a deeper conversation. I, the following Christmas after I had that huge what I thought was huge, 50 people with chocolate party. I said, okay, Mark, you know, my husband, I said, it's time to plan it again. He said, oh no, my work is too stressful. And please, would you do something with just women during the day? And to defer to his exhaustion. And then I found out later that his work was very stressful, (laughs) that I would have this neighborhood breakfast on Saturday morning. And so I continued to do that for probably the last 28 years. So except for this year, I didn't do it because I thought people will not come to my home because of the pandemic. So I love it that you say I've made a commitment to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband's very, very um, introverted and didn't grow up with hospitality. And so um, when we first got married, I said, "Okay, um, I want all these people. I just made two lists of Christians and non-Christians that we knew. I want them all for dinner and not at the same time. And he said, well, you can't invite the whole world. That's what he said to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm. And so, you know, you're getting adjusted when you first get married. And so I said, okay, well, let's just invite the non-Christians because we're going to see the Christians later in heaven. Well, you still invite both. I was just sort of melting off. But um, it helped us to plan in advance. So let's say on a Saturday, I would prepare the dessert or a salad in advance. And then I, and then I would say, let's just pray about who we see at church tomorrow, who needs to be invited, and then have a dinner that's really easy to make. So then you're committed to do, and I said, how often can we have company then? And he said, how about once a month? And I didn't think that was very much, mm-hmm. but uh, you just have to adjust to who you're married to. And then he is, he is a great host, but he just likes to have one couple at a time. Whereas mm-hmm. I like to have 30 people at a time, because after all, I'm cleaning the house the same amount of time. I'm not work for one couple as the other, but he's right. Cause you do get to know people better when it's a smaller group. Oh, yeah. You're so right. And you're also right about that cleaning thing. (laughs) Well, I love the name of the website, Welcome Heart, because I think that you have to have that. You have to have that Welcome Heart uh, in order to to do this. And so if there are people listening that like this idea, but really haven't done it and are struggling to kind of wrap their mind around inviting people over or getting into the habit of this, um, what are some some handy ideas. And I know you've got lots of resources on your website for our listeners, but what are some, what are some handy ways? Maybe just ways to, maybe not tips, maybe ways to think about it that might ease their minds a little bit. Hey, this has just been recent that when I was speaking at a conference recently, I just thought, you know what it is? It's a, I feel like God can give us an, an a hospitality antenna where we walk out the door in the morning and go, God, adjust, Lord, adjust my antenna so that I see and invite people into my life who need to be invited. Not everybody mm-hmm. will say yes. I've invited lots of people and they've even forgotten to come. 
but um, the people that God wants in his family, mm-hmm. the way, the reason I call the website Welcome Heart is because God welcomed me to his table. Mm. And the next step is to invite someone to my table. And maybe they would only meet Jesus if they came to my table first. Do you see how significant that is? So that has nothing to do with the way I was raised. It has nothing to do with the fact that I have a Trader Joe's across the street so I could go buy something. It has nothing to do with the fact that I've written 252 conversation starters. No, it all has all to do with the fact that maybe this one person, oh, I'll tell you a funny story. (laughs) Uh, There was a young gal who had come to my Christmas brunches and she lived two doors up and, um, she uh, said she wanted to get together. And so that was on my mind that I would do that. But someone with the same name I worked with. And so one Monday morning, I was leaving to speak at a conference that weekend. So I didn't have a lot of time. But on that Monday morning, I texted the gal from work. And I said, hey, you want to come for coffee? And I didn't mean that particular week. But the other gal with the same name responded (laughs) because I texted the wrong gal with the same name yes and she goes sure I can come now well what would I what should I do say oh no I didn't mean you number one yeah I I didn't mean now but I said okay and I stopped you know what what happened was I found out she was she was a newlywed I knew that found out they were expecting their first child Mm. found out her mother died of cancer when she was 20 Mm. I I was supposed to invite her, not yeah. the other gal, that day. Yes. And um, you know, we're we're friends to this day. And now she has two kids. In fact, we went to her baby reveal party. My husband goes, What's that? I go, Oh, well, it's this new thing. We were the oldest ones in the room. But anyway, the point <laughs> is I make a mess of hospitality and God restores it. And um, and and you do it because people need to feel the noticing of God. They need mm. to know that God notices them. And I think loneliness is rampant. I mean, I I could be the one who's lonely. So I could go just, so a tip you asked, a tip is to start small. Mm. Don't invite the world, like my husband says. Invite one person. We used to invite my children's elementary school teachers over for tea after school. And then the dot, my daughter would do all the talking. And I just had, and they were just glad to sit down, you know, after a day's work. <laughs> And one of those teachers, their fifth grade teacher now comes for Christmas Eve soup potluck every Christmas Eve. And she mm-hmm. taught all three of my girls fifth grade and my youngest is 25. So the fact, and she's single, never been married. And she brings her homemade rolls and um, doesn't have faith that I know of, but feels a part of our family. So that came from reaching out, listening to her when she needed to talk and um because you know, the whole point about inviting people into a church setting or into Bible study, you really just want to invite them in to know Jesus. Exactly. Whether or not they stay at your church or go to your Bible study. Sometimes they go, oh, well, I invited them and now they're going to someone else's church. It doesn't matter, Sue. They're hearing the gospel. You know, just close your mouth and be grateful. And um, But it came because I invited someone for dinner for two years and she said no every time. And then this last year, I invited a group of them to a Zoom Bible study because that's safer, right? Yeah. So there's silver linings. And it was 6 a.m. And that was hard on me. But uh, that's when some gals could do it. And she wrote me two, two nights before it started, said, is it too late? 
And um, so she was in our study this since January till uh, June. And you know what, Yvette, two weeks ago, she texted me. She lives three doors up. She said, Sue, I feel the Lord wants me to have people over. Would you come pray over my house before my party? Oh, beautiful. I went over there on a Tuesday and she served me tea. She brought she brought um, pound cake from Starbucks. Um, you know, totally different things that I would have done. Didn't matter. And after we chatted and then I said, do you want me to pray over your patio? She goes, yes. And so I said, um, do you want me to bring you a coffee cake the day before? She said, yes. <laughs> so I made two coffee cakes and took them over the morning of her party. And then she had a party this last Wednesday. Oh, that is, you know, and would she have felt God's calling if she had not finally opened up even to your Bible study? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's all the Lord, that. Yeah. Because... I kind of gave up on her. I'd invite her for two years. Her mm-hmm. husband's a doctor. I thought they should come over just so my husband can sort of mentor him. And it was just never worked. She wasn't ready. And then when she was ready, she's amazing. Yeah. You know, so start small. I was starting to say that. Buy Pepperidge Farm cookies. They're delicious. They've got lots of butter in those and sugar. <laughs> and uh, make tea if you don't know how to make coffee or buy coffee at Starbucks. I mean, sometimes people have more money than time. Yes. When I went back to work, I thought, oh, this is why people don't do hospitality midweek. You're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and so and adjust to your family's needs. Ask your kids, who do you want to have over? And they'll say, oh, my friend Johnny. And I thought, okay, well, I need to get to know his parents. And maybe they'll come too. I used to have, host the um, soccer pasta parties. You know, you're supposed to have pasta before you do exercise. And my kids were all soccer, all three girls. Right. So whenever they'd ask for volunteers, my kids would volunteer our house. So all these strangers, these all these kids, a lot of their parents. But see, that was good for my girls. Mm-hmm. So now they know how to run a room. They don't know how to cook. They date boys who cook, but they don't, they, they know how to do conversation starters. In fact, my older, older daughter once she told me about, I said, uh, she was going to a party. She lives in San Francisco. And I said, well, how was the party? Oh, it was okay. She said, mom, no one asked me any questions. <laughs> See, she's used to being asked questions because that shows interest in someone's life. So you just talked about those conversation starters. What's your favorite one? I have too many, but one is uh, what's brought you joy in the last six months. That's a good one. Last summer, I had women over in the backyard and I said, so what's the silver lining in COVID? Ooh. Some women were crying. Mm-hmm. They didn't have it, but it touched them so deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time I asked, who did you think you were going to be? Or what did you want to be when you were little? Mm-hmm. And that was so funny because everybody was saying, oh, I was going to be a ballerina. Of course, I have two left feet, you know, funny things like that. And then I said, and who are you becoming now? And two were going through divorces. And they said, I don't know what I, who I'm becoming, but I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So then that led to conversations. There were 15 in the room. Women mm-hmm. did not know each other. And then I saw them grouped like in the kitchen by the fireplace because I only do conversation stars for maybe an hour of the time and the rest of the time. People see who they're drawn to. Mm-hmm. And then that God does that networking. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I want to ask you a question. All right. And it's not really a conversation starter, but it's from uh, kind of a deck of cards that, uh, of questions that sometimes I'll use in my podcast. But since you but since you're so good at, at those questions, I'm going to I'm going to challenge you. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, all right. So I'm holding, it's kind of like a deck of cards with questions in my hand. Okay. I'm going to kind of shuffle the deck. Tell me when to stop. And then that will be your question. So three, two, one, tell me when to stop. 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 Okay. <laughs> Silly and at random, but here we go. What would be the worst ingredients to fill a burrito with? Oh, um, I think maybe uh, sardines. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't like sardines either, uh, my hus- but my husband loves them. Uh, I don't know that he'd want to fill a burrito in them. But... <laughs> <laughs> my brother is the one who taught me about conversation starters, and I love mm. it that you have those card things because he was at a boring dinner party, he told me. <laughs> and I go, hi, it. And he goes, yeah, it was kind of boring. But it wasn't my party, so I couldn't do anything about it. But when we sat at the table, I just sort of got their attention. He kind of has presence. And he knows how to run a room. And he's a little bossy. And he said, wow, how about everybody say, tell us where you were living when you were 10 and what you were doing. And he goes, I'll start. Because if you're going to run the room, you got to be ready to. And I always say, I'll start. Mm -hmm. He said, I lived in Wisconsin and I had a paper route. Well, see, people didn't know he was from Wisconsin and because he lives in Southern California, he's an artist and blah, blah, blah. Well, then I said, well, how did it go? He goes, oh, everybody loved it. They connected. They loved, they had stories. And then he said, okay, where were you living and what were you doing when you were 19? Well, then more information came out because they were all ages at this. And then I think he did it one more time, like 28. The significant thing was two things. He said, Sue, I wouldn't have kept going if it weren't a hit the first time around, you know, mm-hmm. like bad. Like I've done it with my kids' friends. And after one question, they go, okay, mom, that's enough. They won't <laughs> let me go any further. It's like, I want to know more. Anyway, uh-huh. he said, Sue, I, I wouldn't have gone further because I was not the host. And the other more significant thing was, he said, there was a young woman there that I didn't really, I was not drawn to. In fact, I just didn't like her. And she had put me off in some way at the beginning of the party. But whatever she shared, like whatever job she'd had in her 20s and where she had failed or something, he goes, my heart went out to her. And afterwards, I went right to her and we had good fellowship. And then I liked her. So God Mm -hmm. used it to change his heart. You know, because we have preconceived ideas of who people are and we don't really know and we don't give them permission to share something under, other than where do your kids go to school? What does your husband do? Why do you live here? Instead of saying, how has your husband blessed you in the last 10 months? Well, first mm-hmm. that assumes that they, I, would only, I wouldn't ask that if not everybody was married, but I'll ask questions like that when I have a mixture of Christians and non-Christians for coffee, maybe mm-hmm. just eight women around the table. And then I've had non-Christian friends tell me later, I always like coming to your house because uh, it just feels so good. Well, see, I know that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's not me. It's not my burnt brownies. It's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Now, so you've given some great ideas and a lot of them are around people that we you know, we, we know we, we want to know, we want to come to know, or, or they have a relationship, say, with our children, teachers and things like that. But have you ever invited someone over that, let's be honest, that you had difficulties with or didn't like in order to try to change that? Has that ever happened? Or would you ever do that? 
I can't think of anybody that I didn't like. I, I have had invited a group of people and one in that group I knew uh, I needed to reach out to for that reason. Mm-hmm. And she was the only one who said yes. Wow. She needed it and I needed to do it for her alone. Does that make sense? No, it does. And so it's not always the most fun for me, but God is doing his work if I'm willing to open the door. It's really basically willing to open the door. And you don't have to have a big fuss like you're going to do a beautiful block party and I don't have to have a a million chocolate people over. But if you just have one person, I know one person I invited over and she was not my friend. She was just an acquaintance in the church Mm -hmm. choir and I was watching her one Sunday morning and I was pretty pregnant with my second kid. And I looked at her singing away and I thought, Suzanne's two best friends both moved out of California this week. And I Mm -hmm. thought, she must be feeling despondent. I mean, because she was a single mother, had a teenage daughter. So I went up to her after church and I said, Suzanne, would you like to come for Sunday lunch? but you can only stay an hour because I have to paint the kitchen before this baby comes. So you know, you do have to put boundaries over what you can handle. Right. Right. That's right. And, but one thing I've learned, my husband doesn't mind if I invite a lot of single women over because it doesn't take, it's not so hard for him. And he's become a great extra parent or just to have another man in someone's life. Who's not, who's used to having one and no longer has. So um, anyway, so she came for lunch And I loved her story. She told me her whole story. She was from Ireland, found out she really knew a lot about um, handiwork. And so she went home and changed her clothes and came back and painted the kitchen with me. And she and her daughter have come for Christmas Eve and Christmas morning for the last, well, Bethany's 29. So for the last 29 years, she and her daughter have come for Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. So we, you know, the Bible, the Psalms, I think it says that the Lord sets the lonely in families. Mm -hmm. And if we're married, we need to remember that there are women and men who come to church by themselves every single week. They are being faithful to God, but they're not part, unless you have a really vibrant singles group, they're not part of a family unless we open our doors for that to happen. So everything I am hearing all these amazing, you know, taking a leap of faith in some cases, taking a chance, you know, making invitations, they turn into these amazing connections that God has foreseen. God knew all this was going to happen. It, it was all God destined, but we just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's true with all his, I mean, his, the main passage I'm working on right now, trying to get into my pea brain is John 15. I'm memorizing I found out that I can only memorize 17 verses, but there's 18 I'm trying to get to. But I've, uh, uh, no, maybe that was the seven. Yeah, this one has 17 verses that I that I got down, sort of. But if I don't read it, I lose it. You know, that's my favorite. Huh? It's your favorite. If you remain, he does the fruit. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be fruit inspectors. But I love it towards the end of that section where I memorize where it says, I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you, Yvette, to go. I love that. To go Mm -hmm. and bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last. And that's what my podcast is all about, is that we live a legacy that goes beyond our current situation and our current. You know, it doesn't really matter that I collect 
uh, green teapots. That's nothing. What matters is that someone comes to know God because people last forever. Amen. Amen. Gosh, well, this is a wonderful way, I think, to to wind up. I, I think, yes, creating a legacy, creating a lasting you know, legacy of these connections of just just doing what he's asked us to do can change someone's life, can change a whole family's life. Totally change people's lives. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about the podcast. Where can we find your podcast? And we you know, we already know that your website is welcomeheart.com. But tell us about your, uh, where we can find your podcast and your social media. Well, you can find my podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple and iTunes and all that. But I do have my own app. And so if you look it up on your app store, it's Make It Count Legacy. But if you just look it up in wherever you look for look for your podcast, it's uh, Make It Count Living a Legacy Life. And I know that's what you're doing, Yvette. You're, you're living a legacy life as you talk about joy because people um, may feel happy for a while, but joy is different because joy is underlying because we know God. And even, Amen. you know, I got to talk to Johnny Erickson yesterday and she radiates joy, but she's been in a wheelchair for 55 years. Wow. So I asked her, what is your legacy? Did she say something about, oh, not complaining or uh, having this huge worldwide organization or providing wheelchairs for millions of people? She says, "My, le- I want my legacy to be that people know I had a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, gosh. Wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, on my shop, I wanted to mention this, too. When we talked about conversation starters, my bro- my other brother, Steve, uh, former pastor, real chatterbox, kind of like me, <laughs> he bought my conversation starters in the printable version. And I thought, why are you buying my conversation? Because he could talk to, uh, you know, an igloo. And um, he said, well, Karen, his wife, is an introvert, and she wants me to help in the kitchen on Thanksgiving and we've invited seven people that she doesn't know very well. Mm. And so we bought your printable, which was nice. I would have just given it to him, but it's nice when your family puts money into you. It was like $7. And he goes, we printed out several of the pages and then I cut them on the dotted lines and folded them, put them in a basket. And then those, the guests could kind of watch us in the kitchen. They have kind of an open form house Mm -hmm. And they would pick one and then they would just answer it kind of like you picked a card for me. Mm-hmm. So that's one. But there's also one with 50 more questions. That's a book. So those are all in my shop. Excellent. Well, Sue, first of all, thank you for coming back. <laughs> my pleasure. So that we could actually record this conversation. But no, but I but I know that this is so important. And I and I think that's why I really wanted this to happen. There's somebody out there, I think, who really needs to hear this. Um, and, and needs to understand how important it is. It's not just having a fun evening. Right. Totally. It is so much more important than that. It can change lives. And so I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing about your, your background and why this is important. Thank you. Can I mention the resource that they can have? Absolutely. Okay. One is I wrote prayer for a hospitality heart. It's just a printable. So I think it starts with prayer. It starts with a mindset. I know I want to do this, but I don't really, it's kind of like wanting to want God's will, you know? So you start with prayer and then there's a recipe that I got out of a mystery that had good recipes. Oh, by the way, we want that apple crisp recipe though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remind me, I'll send to you. And then the second resource, because I love mentoring and I think mentoring happens automatically when you have people in your home. I have lots of stories about that. So I'm providing for you, your listeners free of charge. I normally sell them, I think for $3.99, 10 mentoring worksheets, things of what to say when you first meet with a mentor or um, you know different things to encourage how to teach someone how to pray, how to teach someone how to do Bible study. 
I know a lot of women have so much to offer, but they feel insecure about it. So these worksheets are just to enable you, empower you to help you do that. So you can find that on that resource and remind me to send you that recipe. No, I will. And I will put all that in our show notes. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.